Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes where we look back at content from our earlier years, sometimes single stories, sometimes whole episodes. Keep in mind that years ago, people might have worded things differently than they would today. As always, the title of the whole series, Risk, is itself a content warning. This week, the 35th episode of Risk that ever appeared in the world. It first went up in February of 2011. Now, I should say that Peaches Christ appears on this episode and talks about her legendary club in San Francisco that used to be called Tranny Shack. But several years after this story was recorded, Peaches changed the name of that club to Mother out of respect to the trans community. So without further ado, here from February of 2011 is the episode we call Son of Strange Sex. Take 
Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and oh my god, people, all of my equipment has malfunctioned on the very same night. I'm speaking to you from what might as well be a toy, a child's toy microphone, but the show must go on because this is a goddamn good one, folks. This is Son of Strange Sex. You'll remember the very first Risk episode was called Strange Sex. Here we have... Finally, before us, the sequel, The Sun, the offspring of Strange Sex. Jeff Barr did that crazy theme up top, and this is Sean Lee behind me. If you don't know the show, if this is your first time listening, you may not know that normally we have radio stories mixed in with the live stories, the stories told at the live shows. But this time around, we're going all live because we had such a great time in San Francisco last weekend that we've just got a ton of good stuff to lay out for you. First up, two friends of mine going way back. Randy and Jason Sklar. They have their own podcast, very popular. It's called Sklar Bro Country. Look for it on iTunes or anywhere. Here are the bros themselves with a story we call How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore? We are going to tell like uh, three or four little mini stories. But it, it's because I've been married for 10 years. You know, I know a lot of people saying that I have a lot of sex, like crazy sex stories. And I've known my wife for like three or four years before that. So I've been off the market for a while. I'm only 39. Like my wife and I, want, at one time we were like, let's kind of mess it up a little bit. Spice it up and watch a porno. And we put it in and we mistakenly got a porn that like had too much exposition yeah. and all this other like character development and stuff like there was an exterior shot of a building I'm like why do you need to know where <laughs> who's like who's like watching two people fucking they're like where is this taking place <laughs> is this on the south side of town what part of town the... <laughs> you wouldn't fuck her like that if they were in the other side of the tracks uh, that's just doesn't make sense that's... to me I'm out of the moment yeah I'm just out of it so that is such I love a... my wife and we have great sex but I mean it was so anyway I want to go back to it it's something that it, we'll, we'll let Jay tell a little story here because it's a damn good one uh, which one am I starting with uh, oh, oh so I'll, I'll preface this is that uh, I'll, I'll tell a story that relates to it is uh, one time I was my wife's parents live in Long Island yes part of the year in the summer times and then down in Florida the rest of the time but we're in Long Island they belong to a, a sort of a very waspy beach club and we're there on the beach watching the fireworks of the 4th of July. And it was beautiful. And I'm there with, like, my, my daughter was, my oldest daughter was, I think, two at, at the time. And there were some other little kids around us. And uh, <laughs> there was, like, every year there's, like, new fireworks. And these people are very rich. So they, like, have their own boat that sends up their own fireworks. And they do, like, new different firework things that happen every year. And so there was this one that was just, like, this beautiful... I mean, beautiful, shimmering gold firework thing that came down. And we were all watching, and everyone was just like, ooh. And it was the first time it was introduced, and it was gorgeous. And everybody, like, all on their blankets on the beach watching this thing. And my mother-in-law looked up at it, and she was like, ooh, it's like a golden shower. (laughs) (laughs) I was like... Not really like a golden shower, but yeah, maybe. I guess people like that sort of thing. Uh, Well, speaking of... uh... 
I, you know, I'm with, I am married and I uh, love my wife and she's amazing. But before I was married to her, there was a brief period where I was trying to be more experimental sexually a little bit. And uh, I was in a relationship with a woman who are hardly a relationship. We were dating very briefly and she was in New York and uh, I was visiting her and I was like, let's try stuff. I want to try new things in my mind. I didn't really say this to her. Uh, I was like, come on, you let's try these things. Do it. So, uh, and then I was like, I will do that. So, uh, so she was taking a shower and I'm like, I'm going to take a shower with her. So, uh, I, by the way, I can't wait for my kid to download this someday. Yeah, Um, me too. What was dad? Dad's on a comedy show. What? Uh, so I was like, I'm going to take a shower. And then at that moment when I was in the shower, I was like, okay, the water's warm. I have to pee. Mm -hmm. Now, I could get out of the shower and pee in the toilet like a human being. Right. (laughs) Or I could ratchet things up a notch. And And listen to yourself. And see if she was into doing a little golden shower. So so I... Release the new firework, as it were. this is how... (laughs) Thank you. Show the new model. Yeah. So this is how much, like, me, who I am... How you are not the person... And maybe a Jew should never give a golden star. Never. But how this is... Because, first of all, like, I asked. I was like, how would you like to get a golden shower? You know, you don't ask someone if they want to get a golden shower. You're like, you're getting a fucking golden shower. It's coming down and you can't stop it. Whether you want it or not. You can't... It's like Portland in here. Yeah. You gotta... You're getting it. Get ready. It's like... All right, so I... So I asked, and she was like, um, and I was like, well, I, uh... <laughs> also not a great yeah, way to get you... not a great you... response. Yeah. Um, I'm like, is that a yes? Because it's coming, and, uh... <laughs> and then I didn't know where to put it on her, yeah. like, on her leg, or on her stomach, or on her back, and then... <laughs> this as, is the moment in which... This is when I knew that I, sh- I will never, ever do this again, because I, she, for some reason, let me do it, and, uh... And so I am peeing on another person. Um, and then I heard these words come out of my mouth, which completely desexualized the entire thing. I was like, how's the pressure? I, uh, that, that's, that's not something you should say. In a golden shower. Also because there's nothing I could do about the pressure. There's no way. What if she said I want a little more? I want more. it down on like four. You're at like six right now. Uh, so... Can you focus in on her? <laughs> but back in the day when we were in New York, uh, I went on, on a date with a, a girl and we were walking down the... Uh, it's just a weird sexual thing, but we were walking down... Uh, and, and weird for not the reason you think that it's going to be weird, because it was a normal sexual act, but it was just... I'll explain it. So we were walking down the West Side Highway. This is before... The, Which is a great place to walk with someone on a date. Yeah, <laughs> highway somewhere. <laughs> Walking down the this west is before they had a nice park. There was no there. nice park or trail. Now it's like all beautiful and totally developed down there. But it wasn't before. And then there were like long piers, which were beautiful to walk on. This is kind of near Chelsea, like that area of of Manhattan. And we sort of we walked out off onto like a pier. And it was a beautiful night. It was kind of cold, but it was a beautiful night. It was a first date that we had like had this hue, went out to dinner and walked all around through the West Village and then down the West Side, kind of down this way and then out on the pier. And it was beautiful. And as a young person in New York City, I, we grew up in St. Louis. And so I was just taking in the majesty, 
Majesty? No. The, uh, you were the saying ma- in the majesty. Yeah, I was saying in the, ma- yeah. the majesty of the city that is opening up before me and the lights, and it was beautiful. And I was just, I remember I actually like verbally took stock in it, and I was like, God, this is so beautiful. You look down here, there's like the Twin Towers, and they're beautiful, and you can see over there, there's the uh, Empire State Building, there's two guys fucking, then there's uh, the Chrysler Building over there, Chrysler Building's right there, and literally you're hearing, and it just was weird that like, I was like, are we in a day and age where those guys could not have done it like in an apartment or even a hotel room or something right there, but like, just we were saying, it just, it was uncomfortable for everybody, I was like, did they not see me and this girl so close to them, and I could hear it literally. Maybe they were excited about how close you were. Maybe that was part of their sexual fantasy, but it just was a... It kind of reminded us, uh, when he told me that story about when we were kids, this was a weird little sexual thing when we were little kids. We, uh, not that little. Uh, sixth grade, I think. Sixth grade, and we would all go ice skating in St. Louis. It was a Friday night thing to do. You go ice skating and hang out. But then there was this moment every night, every Friday night, where, like, the cool kids, two couple, like, four couples, would go outside near like a golf course which was or on a golf course near the ice skating rink and then like about nine to twelve yards away from each other they would start making out now it was out in the open enough to where the rest of the kids like all of us who couldn't make out with people because we weren't cool enough we would come and then we would stand about 14 to 17 feet away from them and just like it was almost them. like a golf gallery yeah you know what I mean? like watching this watch them make it get in the hole I don't know we were just <laughs> hanging out and it was so un- in, in retrospect it was the it's weird, just so voyeuristic like, they had to know we were there and we obviously were so close and what were we trying to just get close to greatness at that point or like or were we hoping to learn something I don't even know what we knew but we were just like people were going outside and we had to go outside with them and then we were just all looking at these kids alright so uh, here's is this the last one yeah the last story okay uh, this is one back when I was uh, single as well and uh, I, I had a party at my house and invited like four or five women among a bunch of people who I was kind of interested in and I was like which is the dumbest idea it's terrible it's so bad terrible it's so it's stupid awful. because you just can't get like any- you can't do a law of averages for that no, thing no it's just dumb two is dumb <laughs> one is what you should do but so I you know and so I can't spend any time with anyone throughout the night it's also my house I made a little mojito bar I spelled mojito wrong above it with it's a awful H. H you put an put H a fucking H yeah. in there why who puts an H in mojito like defame Cuban culture yeah. I, whatever I was doing Terrible. was bad so it was just a bad night and uh, and so none of the girls that I was really interested in seemed to be interested in me I couldn't give them any time but there was one woman who was a wild card and she kind of hung there for the whole night and she was giving me a lot of the signs of like okay we're going to do something here this is going to be on and everyone kind of leaves mm-hmm. and she's still there and I'm hanging out with her and uh, and we start making out but it's the worst making out ever. It's so uncomfortable. She's not initiating anything further. I'm like, I can't push anything on her. I don't want to be rapey. So I just, you know, <laughs> I just want it to be nice. I want her to get into it and then we can have fun. And she just doesn't. So I'm like, on her back, I'm doing this weird, like, like I'm petting like a, like a wolf or a dog or something. I'm just like, it's this It's like motion. staccato. Yeah, it's like it's down her back or it's like a... 
thing. I don't. It's this is great for a podcast. I'm making yeah. hand motions. <laughs> So I'm petting, 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 and it's so awful and not fun. It's like you're comforting her, like, for her loss or something. Yeah, it's so weird, like, it's going to be okay. Everything will work out. (laughs) Which is not what you should be talking about when you're hooking up. It was so bad. And so uh, my arm actually got so tired from doing that, and since nothing was happening, I was like, should I walk you to your car now? It was so awful. And it was so disappointing. So I walked to her car, and I make sure she can get home, and she seemed okay. And she got home, and I called her, and I was like, did you make it home? Yes, okay. And so then she called me. I called her back, left a message. Then she called me back. Then I never called her back. Because I was like... That's you too many on. back and forth right. for what for this. All right, this, hand <laughs> this is not worth that a lot. That doesn't equal a third call. No, that's not. So I just don't do it, and uh, and then a couple weeks later, I go out to uh, to play a pickup softball game with some friends. You know, we're just throwing the ball around, and I see coming down the, the right field line to I guess watch the game this girl who I have not called back and her shitty friend like she was cast as the shitty friend perfect she got her look on her face just shitty clothes like a fucking shitty purse it was just bad like purse who brings a purse to a softball game you do not need a purse at a softball game and if it was a good purse it would have worked it still would have worked but it was a shitty purse alright so so she they're walking down the line and I'm just like oh great and literally I'm standing out by second base and I'm throwing the ball to what I can only describe as an amazing lesbian softball player, all right? She's awesome, like has way more skills than anyone I've ever played ball with. She's so great, she's a little short, but she's great. And so we're throwing back and forth, we're, we're getting a good throw on and I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna throw the ball to this woman, I'm gonna focus, maybe if I just keep playing, this other person will not think that I'm there. I don't know what I was thinking. But so I start throwing the ball to her. We're, we're getting a good throw. I'm backing up. We're doing long throws. It's feeling really good. My arms loosen up. This woman goes in the dugout, I guess. She's not going to play. She's hanging out with her shitty friend, shitty purse. And, uh, <laughs> and I step into a throw. And as it's leaving my hand, I can feel that this is too high of a throw for the lesbian yeah, woman I'm throwing it. <laughs> And the second the ball left my hand, it reminded... I, I literally did think of this. I'm not shitting. This isn't for a story. Because this, that feeling of, like, dread the second you throw something like that, uh, it happened one other time in my life. We were playing yeah. baseball in the front yard, and this is what we would do for hours. Like, this was literally... You, we could spend two, three hours at one place just throwing a ball back and forth to each other, and when one of us would miss the ball, we would just completely berate each other so we're throwing it back and forth throwing it throwing it throwing it Jay throws one way too low I mean way too low like ridiculously between two hops feels a little dread I like miss it it, misses it It two bounces and right into the neighbor the car parked in the neighbor's house right next to us and puts a hole right in the front left front light of the thing so we at that moment do the only thing that we can do which we is gra- grab, grab the, the ball, ball go downstairs in the basement and, and fucking hide, hide in the basement of our house like hiding like Jews from the Nazis yeah. and he, we did, he was a German our neighbor our neighbors were German they so were German it was, very, it was like playing that whole thing yeah. out so there's oh. like this weird sort yeah. of hide in the attic you yeah. get the fuck out of here don't look and like 
like they come out and inspect what could possibly and be like going our on. house is built on a hill so like the basement has a window that we can kind of look Speak out of and we're just it's a terrible dead window flies on the windowsill we're looking through that. the dead flies to the thing and the police, police show, show up, up they write a whole police report they write a police report like, our parents are like what are you guys doing downstairs we're not doing anything filing uh, records we're I masturbating together I just whatever know. it is we're not <laughs> it's not connected to what happened out there it's, it's not, just it's nothing to do with the cops we have nothing outside to do with, at the Zecker tub there's right? nothing so, to <laughs> deal with out there so so they cops leave. come and they leave and like we are just it was and we ne- and we never said anything to them we, we literally we the, literally the we next li- day the next day we packed up our stuff and went back to our senior year of college so and then we went back and we did college but, right um, <laughs> And we never told them. We never, never told, them. told them anything. And I feel bad about it to this I day. Do. But I do. I feel bad. Uh, like cowards. We should send them a check. We, we should, should really check send them some reimbursement. Maybe it's reparations for the yeah. war. Yeah. Right, so, uh, <laughs> so back to the. Thing. So the toss. So is I in release the ball. Thinking of the Zeckers. Thinking of the Zeckers, and the ball starts sailing in the air, and it goes over the lesbian's outstretched glove. And I hear, I don't even see, because I, I have to look away. I hear a smack. Uh, it's that, and it's loud, and it's intense. It's like the sound of like a hard thing on bone, like yeah, a smack. Yeah, I almost heard bone. And, uh, and then I hear scream, and then I hear crying, and then I see everybody surround somebody. And in my mind, I'm like, please let it be the shitty friend. Please let it be the shitty friend. <laughs> She's shitty. She thinks like this probably happened to her all the time. This is why you get the shitty yeah. friend to shield you yeah. for stuff, you know? Shield. So So I go running over cuz I threw it. So I feel really bad and I I come over and I push through the like crowds of people like looking out news put, reporters everybody Yeah, I'm like pushing through people and I get down and it is her. It's the girl, girl. that you Cooked up with. Not the shitty girl. The girl I hooked up with. And she is sobbing. And she has a huge mark uh, <laughs> from the softball. And she's crying. And she's crying. And I'm there to console her. And strangely, I start <laughs> doing the same motion that I was doing yeah. when we weren't hooking up. And I mean... I mean, now there are like 20 people around to make sure she's okay. And she's crying and she's like, <laughs> and she's hyperventilating. And then everybody's looking at you. Everything, it's totally quiet. She looks up at me, okay, when she realized, because I don't think she knew that I had done it. She looks up at me and in front of like 20 other people through sobs, she's like, why didn't you call me back? <laughs> I was like, I spelled mojito wrong, so I should be off the hook here. <laughs> Thank you, you guys, guys so much. much. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. So do me Masturbieren kann ein Kind, also los die Kamasutram Orge
Well, you might have guessed we'd play the German version of the song Sodomy from Hair on this episode. And behind me now is Mike Furman with a song that's a pretty apt intro to the story that I told in San Francisco called Vegetables with Benefits. years old and I'm taking the D train deep 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 into Brooklyn it's about 3.30 in the morning and I have so much Guinness and Jägermeister in me that I'm just blithering and I'm talking to myself and I'm saying Kevin, Kevin, why are you so self-conscious if you, if you would just like not take things so personally you could like get closer to people and the people I was had in mind were the other members of the state who I had just gotten, I was just getting acquainted with everyone. We, uh, we'd started the comedy group at NYU. And the thing about the state was it was an amazing group of people and I was incredibly psyched all the time to be a part of this group of people. But we had a way of communicating with each other. You know, a lot of comedians do this where it's a kind of humor, uh, roasting kind of humor, where you kind of jab one another in little ways to like keep everyone's ego from getting too big. But that was a little problematic for me because my ego has always been way too small. So people would make little jokes at my expense and I would be nursing a wound for days, which was just stupid. I believe the joke that had been made on this particular evening was I was their tech guy. I was the guy who was like playing the music cues while they were rehearsing and I fucked up a cue. And someone in the group said, Kevin, you don't know this cue by now? And then the whole group just stopped what they were doing and kind of lined up in front of me and started singing. If you don't know it by now, you will never, ever, ever know it. So I'm nursing a wound over the most retarded joke ever. Like, there's no reason to be upset about this. But here I am. I'm feeling self-conscious, all that sort of thing. And I think that my sensitivity did me a real disservice. It made me a little bit disconnected from the other members of the group. And there were two other ways I felt kind of disconnected. One, I lived way out in Brooklyn because I was dirt poor. Everyone else lived in the dorms at NYU. So when we all hung out, we were all just, you know, partying there in the village. And then they'd just drop off to bed. And I had this journey deep into the night into Brooklyn to do. But the other way I was a little disconnected was that I was the only gay one. And so everyone we were socializing with, you know, they'd hook up with members of the opposite gender during that time and then just drop off to bed with them in their dorms. And I'd end up going home feeling lonely and frustrated and horny. And that's how I was feeling this particular night on the train. So horny that, you know, like my knee is bouncing there on the train floor. And I get an idea this particular night. I, I'm like, I know how I can solve my horniness problem this time around and get my mind off of all this stuff. It was something I had never tried before. I thought, when I get home tonight, I'm going to shove a cucumber up my ass. <laughs> And the thing about me and new ideas 
is that when I think of something I've never done before, I'll often leap right to magical thinking. Like, yes, this could be the thing that solves everything. <laughs> like, you know, because sometimes you do hear people say, oh, th th this one sexual thing I learned just kind of like, bloop, like fixed all my, you know, problems inside. And then I do remember a friend of mine back then saying, oh, Kevin, that, that anal stimulation sort of orgasm, that is going to be taking things to a whole nother level for you. You'll be singing a whole new tune with like more bass and more treble, more wah-wah on the guitar. So now I'm convinced. I'm like, yes, this will solve everything. I'm very excited. I'm, I, I, I can't sit down anymore. I'm starting to get an erection just thinking about it. The train comes to my stop and I think, wait a minute, wait a minute. There is no way I would ever have anything like a cucumber at home. I have the diet of like, you know, an eight-year-old's birthday party. So then I think, well, why, why, why? I was pretty new to New York, so I thought, it's a city that never sleeps, right? There's gotta be like a 24-hour place open. And I run downstairs and I see that, no, no, I am in like the most conservative neighbor. I'm like in this Hasidic Jewish neighborhood that's like, everyone's asleep. But miracle of miracles, I do for the first time ever notice that right across the street from the subway is this big red sign that says, walled bounds, open 24 hours. And it wasn't just a deli, it was like the giant family supermarket, the grocery store. So I run right in. And the place is like a David Lynch sort of thing. It's like, you know, like flickering fluorescent lights. There's no Muzak playing, it's totally silent. And there's just this one dude behind the register, a cashier. He's like half asleep, and he's like a, maybe a skater dude if he ever gets up the energy to do that sort of thing. Maybe he's stoned. He kind of looks like a, a much dumber Kurt Cobain. And he's too, you know, I'm rushing in all excited, and it, it, nothing's going to break his boredom. He just watches me go by. And I get to produce, and they have a wonderful selection of cucumbers. <laughs> So I'm like Goldilocks, you know, I'm like, well, I'm not too big and not too small. And finally, I find the magic one, just the right one. And I start to run back to the cashier. And I think, wait a minute, might it look just a little bit odd? I rushed it here at four o'clock in the morning and I'm only getting one cucumber. So I said, oh, I'll just get something that people would ordinarily mix with cucumbers, like peppers, that sort of thing, lettuce. But I was just so poor. I had spent all my money on the Guinness and the Jägermeister. I had change in my pocket. It was going to be one cucumber or nothing at all. So I was like, all right, just put on your most like casual, innocent sort of face. Walk up to him. And I place my purchase down. And he just kind of looks down at it, kind of expressionless. He looks back at me, expressionless. And then he just, you know, does it on the cashier thing there, and he takes my change, and he puts it in a bag, and I think, oh, well, <laughs> this dude is so stupid. He doesn't suspect a thing. I'm getting away with this. <laughs> and he's handing it to me, and that's the point at which he raises an eyebrow. 
and he says, enjoy your salad. <laughs> So now I'm trying to remain expressionless, and I hightail it out of there, and I just knew that as I'm going up that we're both laughing about this. <laughs> and I am happy to tell you that later that night, the cucumber was spectacular. <laughs> it did a great job. Now, I'm, I'm not sure it actually did fix any of my psychological problems, but... I think that that cashier actually, you know, is something that I ended up remembering in a good way because the next day I'm thinking, you know what, I was so like freaked out about self-consciousness and shyness and people laughing at my expense last night. But with that cashier, it was a perfect example that, you know, sometimes you can just laugh at yourself. So. Nowadays, I still find myself every now and then in a situation where someone's made fun of me. And I say to myself, Kevin, just relax. Have a nice salad. <laughs> Thank you. This is Resk. We're listening to a mashup by Dinbot of uh, Black Sabbath and Electric Six. I'm very excited about our next guest. Mr. Rich Fulcher is an American, but he's a legend in Britain for the roles that he's played in The Mighty Boosh and Snuffbox. He's got a great book out now called Tiny Acts of Rebellion. Just one of the one-of-a-kind comedians out there today. We call this story Fulcher. I hardly even know her. I was telling my uh, comedy friend Steve Agee um, about what I was going to do tonight. I said, I'm going to do Risk. And he said, what are you going to talk about? And I said, strange sex stories. And he said, I will give you any amount of money if you go, hi, I don't know how to verbalize strange sex, so let me act it out for you. <laughs> Mussolini. Oh, God damn you. God damn you. And do this for 20 minutes. So, uh, 
T- tell him I did it if you see him. At the very least, he'll give me uh, some uh, marijuana. <laughs> so, um, I'm in a bit. I wanted to say this out outright. Is I'm gonna tell uh, two little stories, but I wanted to say at the outset. I'm sorry I can't be a little bit more graphic. My girlfriend is here, and I didn't want to get too detailed about some past experience or something where you're in the cab or whatever going home, and she's like this, and there's this silence. It's like... I didn't know you were into wound fucking. gun you know you don't want to get into that sort of thing although something did happen uh, recently we're staying at this like long term hotel place and um yeah for perverts and uh homeless people and no it's like one of those places you go in uh, in LA um to have your dreams stomped on and um so you go there and I called in cause I jumped on the bed my girlfriend was on the bed I jumped on the bed who knows what would have happened but it broke uh so I called down to reception and I said um yeah um uh, what this is what I should have said let me tell you what I should have said and then I'll tell you what I said I should have said the bed broke could someone come up and fix it please that's all I need. Instead, I go, um, hi, uh, I don't know what happened. And um, yeah, my girlfriend and I were on the bed and too much information. And um, yeah, I, we weren't doing anything, but we were about to do something. And then I don't know what was going to happen. And, um, and the bed broke. It's just like, um, it's like I painted myself into a corner. It's almost like I could have called up and go, um, yeah, I was on the bed and I, I don't know what happened, but I was with my girlfriend and uh, the bed broke. And it not that it was violent or anything, but if you're into violence, not like that's bad, but strangling is okay, but not like David Carradine strangling, but like normal stuff that it just was. And then, do you like pickles? <laughs> I'm going to tell two quick stories. One is about masturbation and the other is about bestiality. And um, I'm sure a lot of us have these stories. You know, you try to do it. um, uh, Masturbate, as they say, overseas wank in different places. And um, I, for a short period of my life, in just before I went to college, I worked at the Pentagon. And... uh, (laughs) I would always have these, uh, I would be, uh, you know, you're young and you want to create moments in your life. And I was kind of OCD about it. I would like literally like click my teeth when I had, there was a moment, like it was almost like taking a, a Polaroid moment. I would go like, you know, like one time I drove the car over a hundred miles an hour and I went, you know, like I was going to take that picture in my mind for the rest of my life. So I'm working at the Pentagon and I'm trying, you know, I'm a word processor. I don't really have high security clearance, but I'm doing things trying to keep my mind active. And, you know, like they say, you can get anywhere in one side of the Pentagon to the other in five minutes. And so I would try that, like from the hardest place. And you could do it. You just got to go to the center and then, 
Yeah. It's no big deal. It's a fucking Pentagon. That's all it is. Um, so, one, you know, and then, you know, uh, this is a point where I'm doing, you know, I'm masturbating quite a bit. And so it's a combination of being like the invisible man. You know, after a while, if you're invisible, you're definitely going to get amoral. Right? You're gonna, as much as you say, oh, I'm just gonna go into church and watch somebody breathe, you know, eventually you're gonna go in the women's showers and stuff. So that's the way it was with me in the Pentagon. It was like, what can I do in the Pentagon? <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> how's that for a pitch session? What can I do in the Pentagon? I'm turning into a wolf man. No, and so basically, I actually, I, I, I I went by the newsstand all the time and eventually I bought a penthouse there and um, I just, uh, I said to myself this will be a moment, I'll beat off in the Pentagon and so that's my story for that yeah, okay now this other one involves um, because you think something's weird like in your early life like um, high school or college but actually the weirdest people I ever met in one consolidated group were in law school like all the people I lived with were just literally like out there like I had a friend Roger I went to school a law school and it was in kind of rural Virginia and there was this guy named uh, Roger from Texas who spoke like Kermit the Frog and he believed in pronouncing every consonant of every word so he would say stuff like may I have a receipt please <laughs> and um, I think I have pneumonia so I lived with him and sometimes when he'd get depressed he'd be in the fetal position rocking back and forth to the FAO Schwartz song welcome to our world welcome to our world so yeah that, so and then there was this guy um, Mike he was my best friend he was relatively normal uh, Levon this guy who spoke in uh, you know very little and uh, he, he had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and this guy named Bo. Bo was a hard, hard working man. He would go in his room and work and he would only come out to watch like Andy Griffith's show. <laughs> it wasn't on at the time, you know, on prime time. It was like on reruns. He would, he would do that, watch it for half hour, then go back in his room and study. He was like, we called him the machine. And he never got along with Roger. Roger and he were like, I don't get you. And, um... <laughs> I'm paraphrasing that because there was a big problem one one time when there was a there was a Lonesome Dove was on at the time and uh, uh, Andy Griffith's show and there was there was like a big debate about what to watch and then Bo got his way because it was his TV so yeah so Bo and Bo talked like this yeah but whatever man <laughs> he was kind of like kind of cool but he would talk very little he would say I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> and so, but then he would walk into his room. And so, 
he'd just be very dramatic in, a, in his own you know way and he said Roger you don't need to watch Lonesome Dove let's watch Andy Griffith so um so one one day we just you know a lot of the time we're just goofing around and Bo's uh, studying in his room, closed room, and uh, we were just happened to be talking about you know like uh, weird things like you know fucking sheep and uh, like does anybody really do that like because you always hear stuff and. Um, all of a sudden, just uh, randomly, Bo was like uh, in the kitchen. He walks over to us and like in all seriousness, he goes, let me tell you about fucking sheep. <laughs> what? Because we had been talking before. It's like, it's too hard. You got to chase them. What do you do? Like, it's terrible. Like, there's no way to get a sheep. This is when he came over and he goes, let me tell you what you need to do. You get these large waders, you know, on your feet, you know, that you can stick the hind legs of the sheep into. And then you push the sheep towards the water so they automatically start to back into you. You undo your trousers and then you fuck the sheep. <laughs> this, of course, was a friend of mine. <laughs> he walks into his room. <laughs> And there was nothing I could do to that but click my teeth. So I did that, and um, that's my sheep fucking story. And thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, okay. Well, first, I want you to suck my fingers. Uh, no. Sorry. No. no, first kiss. Oh, my bad. Then suck my fingers. Then suck my dick. That's okay. Let me take it right off the top again. First, I want to kiss you. Then I want you to suck my fingers. Then I want you to suck my dick. Okay, so I'll do it. Okay. My yeah. fingers in my penis. Okay. In three, two, one, and... to say that is Happy Elf, preceded by Animals Within Animals. Now, 
earlier I told you that we have been having one hell of a time putting this particular episode together because of unforeseen technical difficulties. Uh, Kumail Nanjiani told a brilliant, spectacular story that was supposed to go here right now. That file is gone. However, it's a testament to the strength of the risk endeavor in general that we're still going to end on a bang. Because the previous night at the Drugs and Alcohol show, Joshua Grinnell told a spectacular story of his own that just happened to hit on a little bit of the strange sex as well. In the drag world, he is known as Ms. Peaches Christ. And here he is at risk at San Francisco Sketch Fest. We call this one Who's Blowing Who? Okay, so um, I'm Joshua, but uh, most people know me as Peaches Christ, and uh, thank you. <laughs> See? Peaches, Peaches is sort of, um, I feel like I'm constantly living in the shadow of Peaches, and even doing this is a little strange, and, and telling a personal story is very strange for me, um, so I'm going to do my best. Um, I kind of describe Peaches Christ in the third person because I think of her as a character and we design her hair and her costumes and she's kind of like uh, someone else. And so I feel like I have sort of a superhero celebrity. Like, I'm really not famous. She's famous. And um, one time at the gym, a a woman wearing a Peaches shirt was really rude to me, you know? I was like, you bitch. It's fucking me. But, um... So I accept that, you know. It's not a real fame. It's kind of a faux fame. So um, as far as drugs and alcohol go, when thinking about me and peaches and drugs and alcohol, I have a lot of alcohol in my story. I love alcohol. I love it. I love to drink. When I first moved to San Francisco, I became part of a, a nightclub group of performers here called Tranny Shack. Yes. So... The logo, quickly after we formed Tranny Shack, became I Blacked Out at Tranny Shack. And we we sold bumper stickers and t-shirts, and everyone blacked out at Tranny Shack. Um, And I was told as a young queen, you know, a drag queen without alcohol is like a car with no gas. You know, so I knew I had carte blanche freedom to drink as much as I wanted. Shortly after Tranny Shack kind of got started, this idea to take the show on the road was born, and Tranny Shack Reno became a reality, where a hundred plus queens in full drag would get on a bus, and we'd go to Reno, Nevada, for no reason, really. And we'd do it, um, like, being in drag in San Francisco wasn't enough, so we um, get on this bus, we'd go to Reno, and if debauchery at Tranny Shack here was, you know, at a level 10, it was like at a level 10,000, you know. Often, before we'd even cross the Bay Bridge, someone would puke. You know, that's... And this is 7 in the morning. We'd start super early. And we'd go to Reno, and we'd gamble, and we'd have fun, and no one would sleep, and it was wild and crazy. And after a few years a documentary film crew decided to come up from L.A. and they wanted to follow around myself and my sidekick, Martini, and film us at this, this Tranny Shack Reno. We have Martini fans in the audience. 
Uh, she actually tried to come tonight, but couldn't get in. Um, that, that's tragic. Um, so anyway, she and I got into drag at like five in the morning. They filmed us getting into drag. They filmed us on the bus trip. I thought, we've got to be extra crazy. We've got to make this documentary good. Well, the film was never made because we were so fucked up in such a mess that the filmmakers did us a favor and never made the movie. They showed me footage. I didn't remember anything. It was like watching your life, but you didn't remember being there for it. Of, they couldn't get into the casinos. You're not allowed to film in the casinos. So I saw footage of me being thrown out of a casino. I had thrown an eyelash at a blackjack dealer. Don't remember. I was locked out of my motel room. Martini, you can see there's a gorgeous shot of Martini on a bed in a motel, passed out with the window open, and me in boxers and a t-shirt with full peaches makeup banging on the window. Wake up! Wake up! It was freezing. And, um... Horrible. So that plus a lot of other things led me to quit drinking in the spring of 2002. So I haven't actually had a drink in like nine years or something, which is amazing for me. Thank you. I feel like I'm at a meeting. Um, anyway, I, um, I stopped drinking, and after a few years, I was invited to be the Din Mother on the Tranny Shack Reno trip. There always needs to be someone who's ultimately responsible for this mess. At this point, the trip had grown to be so big that it was two huge Greyhound buses that I was managing. So 200 queens I was taking to Reno. Stopping in Auburn. Have you ever been to Auburn? And like going to McDonald's. And it was like drag terrorism. Like the, the whole restaurant with like people grabbing their children and running out. And, and I was responsible for all of this mess. And on this one trip, the SF Weekly decided to come and document it for a uh, cover story. And so on the trip, in Peach's character, I announced that I was going to relapse in Reno, which of course everyone on the bus cheered for and they loved. They were so, I started talking about how I, was going to, how I was going to do it, what I was going to drink. No, this is all shtick. It's all character. It's all improv, you know? Well, I never said to the journalist, like, you might not want to print that, or you might want to have a caveat, because at this point, I had tons of sober friends in the city. I was doing a lot for sober folks. I was really into it. So the story came out. I didn't even read it, because I lived it. I didn't need to read the SF Weekly story about Tranny Shack Reno. But I would walk by friends of mine in the street, and they'd scowl at me. And I'd sort of look at them like, why are you giving me attitude? And I didn't know. They'd keep walking. Well, I found out that this article, you know, basically said that I'd completely relapsed in Reno, but I hadn't. Um, and so this sort of idea of this sort of faux person that you live in the shadow of kind of haunts me. You know, even while I was making the movie, it was like, is it Peaches directing us or is it Joshua directing us? And I think Tranny Shack Reno, the reason... The story, for me, of living a double life is especially interesting, has to do with this next little anecdote. And if my mother is listening to this, turn off the radio or whatever, <laughs> she's like, Mrs. Christ is the biggest Peaches fan there is. And she will find this on YouTube or something. So turn it off. 
So I went out as Joshua anonymously and hooked up with this guy and brought him back to my apartment and we had amazing sex. Like totally nasty, great, fabulous sex. Didn't know his name really. Didn't really, didn't care, you know? It was perfect. And, um, <laughs> until uh, he was getting up to, we even talked afterwards. We were like, I was thinking maybe I'd even go to coffee with this person. And um, he's leaving. He's getting, he's dressed, he's getting his stuff together. And on his way out, he glances over, and on my refrigerator, he sees a poster of peaches. And he looks at me and he says, oh my God, you're a fan of Peaches Christ? And in that moment, I have to make a decision. <laughs> it's kind of crucial. And I say, yeah, I'm a fan of hers. <laughs> and he goes, oh my God, I love peaches. You know, my friend just went on the Tranny Shack Reno trip. And this is, you know, I'd been doing it sober now for at least a year. And he goes, and do you know what? She got loaded and blew him in the back of the bus. And I said, no, she didn't. No. And he said, yeah, she did. My friend was blown by Peaches Christ in the back of the fucking bus. And I'm like, no, no, you know, she's the den mother. She's in charge of the trip. That did not happen. And we're making our way to the door. Now I'm kind of getting upset and angry. Like, why, why would someone lie about this? What's going on? And he's kind of in the doorway and he's like, no, really, like, you know, and he's kind of getting mad at me. Like, are you calling me a liar? So I muster all the peaches I can. And I look at him and he's standing in the doorway and I say, I know that your friend did not get blown by Peaches Christ because you just got blown by Peaches Christ, motherfucker, and shut the door. And that's my story. Thanks. up this one folks uh this is go home productions you're hearing behind me now folks today is the day 
risk it. I'm capsizing the waves are rising.